I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's Light the Tower. Your daily look around the world of sports. With Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. Bounce pass goes. Keontae Johnson again, working on Allen again. Drives on him again this time. Allen a shot blocked from behind, and the Longhorns come away with it. Here's Timmy. Driving to the left side. Bounce pass in the corner. Hunter a contested three. It's good. Tyrese knocks it down. The Longhorns are within four, 38-34. Hunter. The top of the arc, left side, trying to dribble, penetrate, works it out to the Sioux, one dribble, now the car, Marcus thought about a long three, still on the dribble, now Allen inside the arc, 18-footer good for Timmy. Great pass, good job of Marcus turning down the open look to get something better. Longhorns back within four now, 40-36, 16-53 to go, Arm between the legs on the dribble to the right side, swings it back out front to Hunter, left wing, Tyrese to Brock Cunningham with 10 on the shot clock to Sir Jabari Rice, Jabari on the dribble against Masood, a step back, three off the rim, no good. Rebound loose, Bishop got it back. Went up strong, got the bucket, he won! Got it back, got fouled from behind, scored the basket, and drew the foul as well on Eziola. Tyreek's with a pass to Marcus Carr, now to Brock Cunningham, back to Carr, started left, back to the right. Under 11 minutes remaining. Carr trying to drive on Keontae Johnson out to Rice. He'll tee up a three, it's good! Jamari Rice, his first bucket of the second half, his first made field goal to go with eight free throws. And the Longhorns have a three-point lead, 51-48. Into the front court, Allen driving against Noel, now pulls the ball back out front. To the right wing, Allen bounce pass to Bishop, working against David Gassan. Working on it, in the paint, squares up, leans, uses the glass and scores. Bishop with 11, all here in the second half. Texas up four, 53-49. Second one for Keontae Johnson. This one, no good in the rebound, Jabari Rice. Longhorns have it, up three, 53-50, under nine minutes remaining in the ballgame. Well, Johnson's missed one of two the last two times in the line. Unusual for him. Pass goes into the paint to Cunningham, now out front. Rice measures a straight-on three, and he rattles it home. Jabari with a second three of the second half. Longhorns have their largest lead of the game. They're up six, 50. 650. Carl on the dribble. At the top of the arc. To the right side. Drives to the right wing. Draws a double team. Cross court pass to Rice. Sends it to Bishop. 10 to shoot. Christian inside. Scores off the glass. Noel on the dribble. To the left side with it. Backs it out against Jabari Rice. There's eight seconds difference between the game and shot clock. Noel with it. Trying to drive around. Traffic goes down the lane. Blocked by Bishop. Pulled down by Allen. Then had it taken away by Johnson. Cross-court pass. 15 seconds to go. Noel had it knocked out of his hands. Longhorns come away with it. They have it with 10 seconds to go. And Rice is knocked to the deck. He'll go to the line to shoot two with nine seconds remaining in the ballgame. Here it comes. Inbounded to Noel. Four seconds. Three. Now they go to Masood. Turn around. Three. That's way off the mark. Rebound. Car. That's it. This game is over. Texas has come to the octagon of doom and rallied from a 14-point deficit to beat the Kansas State Wildcats. Final score, Texas 69, K-State 66. And then we all got on buses and cars and drove 85 miles east to Lawrence. Game two of the Sunflower Swing trip is tonight. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Light the Tower on the Horn, 104.9, 101.9, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. My name is Craig Way. Jeff Howe will be along shortly. Uh, and uh, an outstanding job by our producer, Cameron Parker, on the edit there. We we'd all feel a little bit more uh, normal now <laughs> with uh, everything that's happened with the bad weather and the power outage and 
uh, all of those kinds of things. We all do feel a little bit more normal now, even if normal means me on the road, and that's usually and that's quite a normal thing this time of year. Uh, I am uh, with the uh, Longhorn basketball team at their team hotel in Lawrence, Kansas. Tonight they have the big Monday matchup with the Kansas Jayhawks, joined by my co-host, the pride of Northwest Williamson County, a proud graduate of Florence High School, and you know him best for his outstanding work at Horns 24-7 back in the ARN compound Jeff Howe. Hey, uh, I, I thought about your, your your friends, your family, your brethren. I know you were down in uh, in Hayes County dealing with uh, weather issues. Uh, how about it in uh, Northwest Williamson County? Everything all right up there, as far as you know? As far as I know, haven't heard anything yeah. going wrong. Yeah. I was, yeah. just, you know, we'll 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 get into this, Craig, as the the weeks go by. But you know, post Senior Bowl, everybody's doing updated mock drafts. Sure. Um, Two things worry me about this latest mock draft from my friends at CBS. Uh, the fact that B. John Robinson could be there for the Eagles at pick 31 at the end of the first round, that's concerning. Yeah. As is, I know you don't get to watch a ton of college football. Neither do I. How is Anthony Richardson a first-round pick, let alone in this mock draft, going nine overall? Like, hey. <laughs> like did I – like? Were, were people watching different Florida games than I was this year? Listen, my friend, you you should know because you dwell uh, by duty in the land of the measurables. And right. If the, and, 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 and I guess that's what a lot of those personnel people are seeing. Uh, uh, measurables and potential, you know, the old dangerous P well, word, right? You know what Coach Royal used to say about potential? <laughs> means yeah, he hadn't yeah. done a damn thing yet. Yeah, yeah, or or as Mac Brown used to say, that old potential gets you fired. <laughs> <laughs> that, that kind of thing, I guess, uh, as well. Um, uh, Cameron Parker is uh, our producer, and Cam uh, had the yeoman's duty. I I, I got to hear from uh, from from the perspective of the man who pulled it off. Describe to me, if you will, because I was in transit and I heard different things uh, about how the station was coping uh with the massive power outage and and uh dave williams our our uh, chief man to make sure that the lights stay on uh, when possible and running you know as i i call him devcon dave because he can he can uh, go into a devcon situation and try to try to help help us dig out of this deal but if i understood correctly cam you kind of like were the the Lone Ranger who stayed in the building overnight one night. I know several of the other guys, Chad did, and other guys did a tie. Uh, but th- didn't didn't you kind of stick around because somebody physically had to be in there to let people in because of the power outage and the key cards wouldn't work and and you were living in a what was a forty degree building or something like that? G- give me some details on this thing. Yeah, it was Wednesday night. Uh, I stayed over. It felt like The Last of Us. I don't know if you guys have, have watched that new HBO show with Pedro <laughs> yeah, Pasca. Yeah. It felt like it, and it was really creepy up here. I've never been in this building alone with no power, no lights. And eventually DEFCON Dave did join because he was in DEFCON 6 mode that night making sure. But, yeah, no power. And, unfortunately, to get into this building, you got to have a couple key cards. The key cards were dead. And someone had to stay up to make sure that Aaron Hogan and Ty Henderson and Bob Cole and Eric Rains could get in uh, Thursday morning. And fortunately, everything uh, went as smooth as it could. It, it was it was pretty chilly in here, but fortunately, I, I had a zero degree sleeping bag, and uh, we got through the night. Got on the so, air, most important. So how? Do you, uh, and by the way, DevCon it, it works in backwards order. So Dave would have been dealing in DevCon zero. That's true. Because DevCon DevCon one is when you're supposed to be at, at global thermonuclear war, as I remember from from uh, War Games from the movie there uh, with the, with the uh, the great uh, what was the uh, Barry Corbin the actor take us to DevCon one yeah that uh, I always remember that but. You know, he so he was he was going around with all that. So what did I mean? How did you manage in the dark? What did you do in the dark? So Bob Cole, I think, has the largest flashlight on planet <laughs> Earth tucked away in his his studio. And and Defcon Dave found it for me. 
And we used it throughout the night because we had to make sure the generator was was working. There was uh, some dicey times where we thought maybe we wouldn't have any power because the backup generator, fortunately, was keeping 104.9 on the air. And that's how we were on the air for most of Wednesday and most of Thursday. And I think in the Friday even before we got power back. So, But fortunately, uh, Bob Cole's largest flashlight, it, it probably is in the Guinness Book of World Records somewhere. And if not, if not we got to figure out a way to get it in there. Hey, Craig, the good <laughs> news is the plumbing worked the whole time. So it wasn't oh. like during the snowpocalypse where... It was pancakes stacking up in the bathroom. Everything was it was much it was a lot tidier around here from what I was told. You make me cringe every time you use that phraseology. Uh, pancakes stacking it up. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't have to if that didn't actually happen. Yeah, yeah. It was it was doo-doo stack. I know, I know. It was it was it was Can we mark that and make that a promo or a drop of Craig's yeah, saying right. stack? Hey Craig, yeah, speaking right. of uh, yes. unsavory things, how's your how's your sack, bursa or otherwise doing today? Okay, all right. I'm also a little bit uncomfortable when you just <laughs> abbreviate it to SAC. Do you like that? S-A-C. Well, well, hey, I did say SAC when I texted you. I didn't spell yeah. it out S-A-C-K. So yeah. At least I yeah, did that. Yeah. Uh, that for, to review for folks, uh, on Tuesday morning, after uh, last week, after the Longhorns win over Baylor on Monday night, I'm going into the station Tuesday morning. That's when the first big wave of that frozen precip had hit. And I was very, very careful to make sure I could make it from Georgetown uh, down to um, down to the station, and did, and got out. And when I got out, and started walking. My feet went out from under me, and I slipped and I fell. It was no big deal. I landed, as I said, on my most upholstered part of me. So I landed on my butt and got up. No big deal. Went on in. Craig's rump and, roast took the brunt of the fall. Uh, of the first one, the first one. And so I get in, and uh, we start the show, and I realized before we started the show, I didn't have my laptop with me because when I was de-icing and defrosting my truck at the house, I had already loaded my backpack. Well, my laptop was sitting out from the work I'd done early that morning, so I put it in my roller bag that I knew I was going to be taking on with me on that Tuesday morning straight from there to Morgantown, West Virginia with the Texas women's team. And uh, and so we get to the first break, and I said, I got to go get my laptop. I go downstairs to get it, walked over, fool that I am, walked over the same exact patch of ice, slipped again and fell again on the rear end. No big deal. Got up. I'm just kind of like, come on, man, get a grip. So then I, I, I get the laptop out, and this time taking care to walk around where I slipped and fell twice I went a little bit different around the outside and hit another patch and this time when I went out I came down on my right elbow uh and it hurt and I was like okay well Cam got me some ibuprofen and it was no big deal and I felt I felt better and I was okay fine so we finished the show I go out to the charter terminal fly with the Texas women and uh uh my my elbow wasn't hurting much but I could feel a little bit I get on the plane and it felt a little weird. And then I looked at it, and I could see it. It was, like, swelling up like a balloon. And uh, the uh, Rosemary Ragel, who's the uh, head athletic trainer for Texas women's basketball, looked at it and said, yeah, that's a bursa sack issue. That's a bursa thing. She said, uh, when we get up there, we'll put some ice on it and some compression wrap and all that. So we did that for a couple of days, and it felt better and felt better. And then uh, starting – like um, by the time I got back after that crazy thing that, that the Texas women went through, having to fly to Pittsburgh, and then when they came home, they got routed to Houston uh, because of issues and had to bus two and a half hours. Uh, the the Texas women, by the way, they really like Bucky's, Jeff. They hadn't uh, several of the several of the players had never had never been to a Bucky's. Um, who was it? That was a Jocalinga went and Tonda was just mesmerized by it, and and it's one so of the we greatest had, places on earth. It, we stopped at the one. I know you've hit it many times. The one in Waller out there on 290, and and so we we stopped at that. And they were pulling. You know, they were. The, you know, a lot of them were dabbling into things. They were hungry, so there was like barbecue sandwiches they were getting. But the others were getting, you know, chips, cookies. There was cookie dough bites. But the most popular item were icies, the the frozen drink like the Slurpee, the icy. And uh, and Vic Schaefer had said that when he was a kid, he said I grew up drinking a lot of them ices, and they were and they were, <clears throat> you know, they they all seemed to like the icy. So we bus all the way back. Roger Wallace filled in for me on Longhorn Weekly with Rodney Terry because we didn't get back till seven o'clock, and the show was starting by then. So uh, so we so we do that. I get home. Uh, I get up Friday morning to turn right around and go right back to the airport because we had an eleven a.m. Uh, wheels up time 
to fly to Manhattan uh, with the Longhorn men. So I get back and and my arm was hurting again, and and it was and not only that, it had turned about four or five different shades of purple, and uh, and uh, Warren Young, who does an outstanding job as the head athletic trainer for men's basketball, looks at it and goes, "Yeah, Rosemary's right. That's definitely bursa," and uh, they don't use the word sack, Jeff. They just say bursa. You know, they just go with bursa. Oh, we're trying to we're trying to be politically correct now. They're just saying no. I mean, you know, it's 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 just bursa. So they said it's bursa. <laughs> he said he goes, "Let me wrap that for you again cuz I'd take it off the other wraps." They rewrapped it. I've had some more ice treatment since there. It feels a little bit better. It's still ugly to look at right now, so uh but it's it, it's better. So I appreciate you asking. It still hurts a little bit, but it's it's you know, it's not that big a deal. Do I need to go over to the baseball facility and have uh, coach Pierce Get with the equipment staff and dig up one of those Evo Shield elbow guards. Uh, that's funny. You know, maybe I can get a Barry Bonds. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, get, you know, vulcanized rubber uh, uh, elbow uh, guard, something like that. Yeah, every, you know, like Ivan and a lot of other guys. We've seen them wear yeah. the elbow guard. Well, that thing Bonds had though, that was like that was insanely ridiculous. It had like nineteen straps on it, and it was that uh, thing it was, was huge. Yeah, yeah, it was body armor. It was it was definite body armor that he had on. I don't think I'll need quite of that. But well, anyway, as we know Barry was allegedly enhanced in other ways, also. Yes. So, so, uh, so anyway, uh, things from there went pretty normal. Uh, I flew up uh, to Manhattan with the team on Friday, and they had a practice Friday night. And then, of course, we know about the game Saturday, and we just heard the the highlight uh, package on that, and we'll talk more about that. A big, uh, uh, you know, big comeback in the second half. Uh, made some shots, things like that, and uh, and then uh, and then they bust down I seventy, uh, some of which uh, a good chunk of it's on the Kansas Turnpike, but the other side of it just comes across the top side, rolls down through Topeka. You've made that drive before, and uh, uh, I you know when I went through downtown Topeka on I seventy, Jeff, I looked over at that big tall Ramada Inn, mm-hmm. and I and I and I said to uh, you know Dave Garrett, our engineer, I said. Yep, I said that's where the team stayed the night before the twenty to sixteen loss to Kansas. I said I look at that hotel and I think of Charlie Strong when it, rolling right past that, and then and then <laughs> why, why yeah. you got to bring that up, Craig? I, I, I it's just it it evokes just that one thing. It's the one time I stayed there. I look at that at that Ramada Inn, and I think of the twenty sixteen Kansas game. Unfortunately, so so then we go on. Uh, to uh, we get to Lawrence, we get to the team hotel. Uh, they fed the team uh, Saturday night. Uh, I think everybody got a good night's sleep. And then yesterday, uh, they they went over to Lawrence High School first and got in a practice. Then came back and then uh, after a mid afternoon meal, the, and went over to Allen Fieldhouse. And uh, they were there uh, last night we all went over. <coughs> Talon Fieldhouse, and they were working from about 6.30 until 8 o'clock, mainly getting up shots, but working through a few things. And then when it was over, Jeff, they had a, a – there was a meal for all of us that was scheduled at a local steakhouse, a restaurant. So because Eddie Orn and I had driven over, because Eddie had driven up, he's got some other <coughs> scouting work he has to do after tonight's game. So I rode over uh, – Eddie and I drive over uh, ahead of the buses to the steakhouse. So we get over there, and all the doors and windows are locked, and all the lights are off. I said, this place is closed. I said, are they sure they got the right place? This place is closed. So we circle around the parking lot, and then when we come back around, one of the Texas team managers is standing out front. And I rolled down my window. I said, this place looks like it's closed. He said, it is, except for us. And then right about then the buses pulled up, and what they did was they opened the doors, and it was they were they had it set up downstairs in a basement area, and that was so uh, they went down and had a team meal, and then came back and had more film session, film study. Uh, right now they're at breakfast, but they had they had uh, they had some more uh, uh, film session this morning. Uh, the, they had breakfast, and then there will be a study hall for their academic side uh, before uh, after after the shoot around. So I'm on until uh, until right around our uh, first break in the 11 o'clock hour, and then I'll be headed over there so we can get the equipment set up for tonight's broadcast over to Allen Fieldhouse. So that's the travel log uh, for the team, and I did do some checking. It is indeed the first time that Texas has ever had 
two games back-to-back with one of them on the road where one was a big Monday game. Because you remember this, Jeff, the uh, the, the Big 12 uh, was <clears throat> was really particular about this in the early years of Big Monday that if you were playing a Big Monday game on the road, you had to be at home on Saturday and vice versa. If you were playing a Big Monday game on the road, you got to be at home on Saturday. If you were playing a Big Monday game on the road you got uh, at home, then you had to be on the road on Saturday. Uh, well, that's not the case with this. It's back-to-back on the road, although it's 85 miles and it works out probably just as well. I mean, it's tough to have to go from the octagon of doom to the fog on back-to-back games, but there's not a lot of you know getting back and forth on airplanes to do uh, with this. So, uh, so it is. It's an unusual situation, but it's something that they uh, say they're ready for and they'll be ready to go tonight. You know what it is though? It's a really good primer for the NCAA tournament. I know these guys have been there, but like for a Dylan Mitchell or an Arterio Morris that hasn't, because you'll play a game one day, yeah. get the next day off, practice and everything else, and then play so you get that on off on split just yeah, a, that's right just a good primer you know? yeah almost kind of like the off day news conference too because uh, Kirk Bowles is on this trip uh not with the team I mean he traveled independently of mm-hmm. course but he was he was he was at the game Saturday and then yesterday after it was uh after the practice at Lawrence High School uh Scott McConnell who handles the media relations for men's basketball had a had a little session, if you will, uh, with uh, Rodney Terry, with Kirk, and I think a writer from the Kansas City Star, uh, who were there yesterday. So they had they had a little sit down uh, with with Rodney yesterday. So there was a little bit of like off day media, like to use your example, what would be used in uh, NCAA tournament play when you have that off day, the off day news conference, if you will, uh, that sort of thing, uh, which I've always thought was kind of interesting because. The the first day, and you've, you've covered many NCAA tournaments. You know how it works. No, I've, first I, day, this last one was the, the first one I've covered. Really? Yep. The, the, the one up in Milwaukee? Yep. Oh, okay. Well, but, but you know how it works where pre-tournament news conference, open practice, all of the arenas open, the fans get to come in and watch. And, and Texas, by the way, uh, and this is the, thanks to Rob Lazar, who's handled their equipment so expertly over uh, – more than two decades now uh, they have it down to where uh, when the Longhorns have an open practice like all the other teams at an NCAA tournament site when the practice is over they throw t-shirts up into the stands to the fans I mean a bunch of them so uh, they, they've always done that sometimes it endears them to fans other times not. I remember in uh, Little Rock when they did that there were some fans took them but other fans were booing the Longhorns anyway they wanted Texas to lose uh, obviously t-shirts notwithstanding but um so they do this, and they have the press conference and an open practice. Then there's the first round. Then the, the in between the first and second round, there's another news conference. But everything is almost under lock and key. You, you, you can go in at a certain time, boom, there's the news conference, and you go straight back to, uh, straight back to, the, uh, to the media workroom. You can't go out onto the floor. You can't be out there. They they've slightly relaxed the rules to allow like uh, broadcast crews, engineers to go in to move their equipment if they're moving from one uh, one designated spot to another assigned spot. They can do that, but that's it. Uh, it's 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 pretty you know tightly controlled and uh, on the, on that off day. So, uh, but you know when you're in the regular season, things are a little bit different. So. Anyway, they, and, and the weather's improved here, and I know the weather's improved there, and I know there's still a lot of people trying to dig out from this. What was it as of yesterday evening? There were still, what, 38,000 people without uh, power? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's unfortunate. We've got I've got a couple of uh, uh, power-related uh, stories for Inconceivable today and a couple of other things as well. So we got all that coming up. Uh, we're going to hear from uh, – Rodney Terry. We're going to hear from Christian Bishop uh, following the the Longhorns win. We have a, a Longhorn notebook coming up. We do have Inconceivable and uh, we get to a lot of other things as well and Jeff will keep track of what's going on on the Specs text line at 337-3776 512-337-3776 So along with Jeff Howe and Cam Parker who are in the ARN compound Craig Way with you up here in Lawrence, Kansas, and this is Light the Tower. On the Horn, 1049-1019-AM1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Light the Tower. I watched him circle around the block. Finally stopped at mine Took a while before he knocked Like all he had was time This is Light the Tower on Excuse the Horn. Hey, uh, Cam, is, is, uh, is that Bonnie, right? It is. And she won Best Grammy for Best Song or something last night from this single here. Excellent. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance to see any of the Grammys because of the practice last <laughs> night and the dinner thing. Cam, did you say best song or something? Yeah, something <laughs> like that. Best song or something. She got something a. She like won a Grammy. That's all we know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Um, you remember, it's time Craig? Now? Craig you yes, remember that yes. uh, that World's? You know, Cam just reminded me. Remember that World Series where. Uh, the Giants won, and, and Madison Bumgarner got presented. I forgot what Chevy vehicle it was, but the Chevy guy's up there talking about this truck, and he goes, it's got great uh, technology and stuff. Technology and stuff. That was the All-Star game, wasn't it? No, that was the World Series. Oh, I thought that was. I, I thought, thought it was, was the World all- Series. I'll look, I was I'll thinking look. it was the All-Star game. I'll look it, it up. Te- I'll look it up during the break. It reminded me It reminded me of something Chris Farley would have done because the <laughs> guy you know, almost had a little bit of a resemblance to him. Technology and stuff. Rod and I had a lot of fun with technology <laughs> and stuff when we were doing the show together back then. <laughs> right now it's time for a Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. It's a Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, your home loan expert and your Longhorn lender. See if she can do for you what she did for Linda and me, and that was to help get that home loan approval turned around in a snap. She is, after all, the person who can make that 10-day or less home loan approval guarantee. Check her out on the web at BowersockTeam.com, B-O-W-E-R-S-O-C-K, BowersockTeam.com. Before we get into talking about uh, Kansas and K-State, Craig, uh, we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and hit this audio here. Uh, this interview with Rodney Terry. Eddie made the point at one point in the second half. He says somebody just now walked in this building, said must have walked into a Big 12 game. Physical, uh, demanding, and what uh, you asked to your guys, boy, did they deliver in the second half. High-level basketball in a hostile environment. Uh, I'd like to give glory to God today for giving us this opportunity, man. We, uh, we've had some opportunities, and uh, I give our guys credit likewise uh, to come in and get something done on the road. And I just thought, you know, our two days of, of work that we had back home, I thought we really won the game back at home. You know, we counted on our defense in the second half, and it really changed the game. One thing I thought important you call the timeout before the last sequence of the first half went down jabari gets fouled hits all three free throws cuts it from 14 to 11 then you come out on a 12-4 run to start the second half that was huge for us i mean we didn't play particularly well offensively the first half we knew that we, we knew we were a better offensive team than what we showed we were kind of standing around and we didn't move the ball the way we wanted to and uh but we were at the end of the half and we brought it in at halftime uh we said hey guys we've got to come back we got to regroup and we got to put it on our defense we cut it to 11 okay this is going to be a game. This is going to be a possession game down the stretch, and uh, and our guys did that. They come out and really put their will on those guys defensively, and it completely changed the game. Incredible uh, half from CB, and you get uh, Jabari gets his first double-double, and CB gets all 14 of his points and all six of his rebounds in the second half. CB, you know, he really responded well at halftime. At halftime, we put the, the video. We turned the ball over too many times in the first half as well. I mean, we had 11 turnovers. We watched all our turnovers. I mean, a lot of those were on us, you know, uh, in terms of just, you know, trying to make, you know, tough plays when we shouldn't have just make the simple play and make the easy play and they got a chance to see those we also saw second chance opportunities with the rebounds so i thought we cleaned all that up we really got came out in the second half and sat down and guarded and then we, we worked the offense we didn't turn the ball over you didn't try to make home run plays we made simple base hits ronnie sometimes offensively when you're not making shots it doesn't look like you're executing, but I thought you were executing and missing shots, and you didn't panic. You stayed with it the second half, and I thought that was a big difference. 
We missed a lot of chippies. I mean, we had a lot around the basket. I mean, I think we missed four layups. Uh, we didn't show those because we knew we'd come back in the second half. We were going to make those in the second half. But, uh, but no, I thought our guys just hung in there. Uh, I said to our guys, one of the best wins I've been a part of uh, because our, our team, you know, they persevered and, and were, were very resilient uh, in the second half and just worked this game, again, in a very tough place to play against a really good team. I got to believe this will be the most pleasant 85-mile bus trip that you'll ever going down the Kansas Turnpike down to Lawrence. How about to let fans know, since you and I talked at the start of the game about how unusual this two-game road swing is, you get the first one in the win column, and now you've got uh, a little over 48 hours before you play Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse. We'd love to be back in Moody right now. <laughs> i heading back to Moody, but you know what? You know, this time of year, our guys, and uh, I think everybody in college basketball, you just have to embrace, um, you know, this this time of year. You know, it's uh, it's February, uh, it's conference play, you know, and uh, uh, everybody's working hard and everybody's trying to compete at a high level. We know we're going to get a, a really good Kansas team on their home court, well-coached team, and uh, uh, we're going to come out and play and, and, and try to get a quick turnaround. Our staff will do a great job having our preparation work for uh, for our guys in terms of what we have to do. Yeah, and and uh, they, I mean, they jumped right into it, Jeff. Uh, they got on the bus, came down, uh, came down to Lawrence, uh, settled in. Uh, they fed the team, and uh, and uh, and then went right into uh, the video review of K State and getting ready uh, for uh, the matchup with Kansas and looking at things. And again, this is a very um, and I've seen it with every Texas coach. Don't don't get me wrong. Football, basketball, baseball doesn't matter the sports. Uh, but but this is a very uh, video study oriented group of coaches. And I, I've mentioned this on the air before. How uh, when they get on the plane after a road game, and it'll be the case tonight. At, no, no matter how late it is, because by the time the team uh, the the game starts at eight or a little bit after eight. Uh, it'll be over a little after 10. They'll be out of there probably around between 11.15 and 11.30. There's a 25-minute bus ride over to Topeka where they get on the charter plane. Probably wheels up around 12.30 and then back in Austin between uh, 1.30 and 2 a.m. Probably wheels down close to 2 a.m. But during that time, I mean, they'll they'll be on the plane. They'll have everything up, uh, up, and the and the and the grad assistants and the video guys. They'll have the cut ups working on that stuff, and they they dive full on in. And we heard Rodney mention there in that interview that they went in at halftime, and he said we looked at all our turnovers, and so we got to do this. So this is this is a team, uh, and and being a veteran team, as you know, they they can probably make adjustments a little quicker having seen the video on what they need to do uh, than you might other. Because I, I don't know that you hear an awful lot. I know what happens, but you probably don't hear an awful lot of, of, of teams that uh, go in and study film at halftime. Nor, usually it's you're, you're hydrating, and, and they do that. And then there's some, there's, there's some teaching and going over things, and they do that as well. But there's also that video study in the 15 minutes of halftime that they have to make sure they're prepared to go out and make the adjustments they have to make in the second half. Something that's really stood out, Craig. So this is the third win under Rodney Terry in Big 12 play that Texas has rallied back from a double-digit deficit at one point. They were down double digits to TCU, to Tech, and then to K-State on the road. And I think this goes back to something I mentioned after the Baylor game because if you look at all of those games and the Baylor game, there was a point where, where they get down or, or, or maybe a little bit behind. I know Baylor, they were leading at halftime. But the way this team comes out in the second half, that speaks to exactly what you're talking about. And we've talked about you know the job Fireball and the video team does. It's outstanding. And making halftime adjustments and coming out in the second half, uh, playing with your hair on fire to get a couple of quick buckets. But it started for Texas late in the first half, right before halftime, when Jabari Rice initiated contact on that three, got the three free throws. When he goes to the line, they're down 14. By the 15-04 mark in the second half, it's a one-point game. So you so by the so you're down 14 in the final seconds of the first half. From that point until the 15:04 mark, you outscored them 17 to four. So all of that's a, that that the we talk about all the time, Craig. How you end the half and then like that for for Texas, it's been like that first you know four to six minutes of the second half where they've really really put a dent either in a deficit or been able to extend a lead in these and, games. And we'll, yeah, and we'll hear from uh, Christian Bishop uh, regarding the issue of even getting down in the first half 
and uh, we'll hear from him uh, in the next hour talking about that, about, um, you know, it's not like they're planning to do it. It's not like they try to do it that way, to dig themselves a hole. But for whatever reason, sometimes <clears throat> they're not hitting shots early. I had I had a flurry of text from people in in the first half going, my goodness, what's going on? And, and I kept saying, it's two things, uh, missing shots and turnovers. And those are the big deals, missing shots and turnovers. I said, they're going to come back, they're going to have to clean that up. Well, they cleaned up the turnovers, and then shots started falling. And part of the reason shots started falling, obviously, going inside to Bishop, who was scoreless and without a rebound in the first half. You and I had the same amount of points and rebounds as Christian Bishop at halftime. Yeah. And and then in the second half, he had 14 points and six boards, and five of those were offensive rebounds. And he just kind of got comfortable, and they started working the ball. They were able to punch holes in the zone and even in man because K-State alternated between man and zone, and they were able to find alleys and pathways through that. And I thought that was really Yeah, I want to bring up one thing real quick from Twitter. Remember, Craig, we were talking last week. I, I talked to Kevin Flaherty, who does a really good job covering national college basketball for us at 24-7. Kevin talks to coaches all over the league, and he said the consensus thing about Texas has been, you know, Big 12 coaches aren't ready to say this team is the best or that team is the best in this league. But what the what he had heard on Texas was they've been the most consistent team in the league, and this was before the K-State game. So at uh, KSU underscore fan on Twitter does a really good job of putting together Big 12 statistics for football and basketball. Mm-hmm. And he's breaking it down right now because Oklahoma State's at 500 now. They're at 5-5 five and five in the league. So basically he's breaking it down between the top seven and the bottom three. I don't think it takes a, you know, a brain surgeon to figure out what the bottom three is. It's West Virginia, Oklahoma, Texas Tech right now with three and seven, two and eight, and one and nine is their league records. But he makes this uh, this uh, take, Craig. He's got this take from, from the data, and, and this is exactly what we were talking about. Every top seven team has had a rough stretch besides Texas, which shows why they're at the top of the league. Kansas State now has lost three straight and four of six in the league. K, uh, KU has lost three straight and now four of five. Iowa State lost three of six at one point. Baylor lost three straight early. Oklahoma State lost four of five early. That's every top seven team in the league has had that. And we talked about it going when this team got ready to go to Manhattan, coming off of the loss in Knoxville. Uh, Really, we talked about it the Monday of the Baylor game. Every Big 12 team had gone through that stretch. I felt like if Texas is going to go through it, this is going to be it with three or four on the road facing really good teams. And the AP poll comes out at the top of the hour. We'll see where everybody's ranked. But I figured that was going to be the stretch. Craig, at the very worst, they're going to split this stretch. And if you're coming out of this thing at 3-1, and one, man, you set yourself up really, really nice to, to try to go get you a conference championship in the, in the last half of conference play. Yeah, because if for no other reason, as you point out, Jeff, the, uh, they would be through the most difficult part of the road schedule. They still have to go to Waco, and Lubbock is never a guarantee, even if it's difficult – as uh, a season as Texas Tech has been, just ask Iowa State. Since they blew a 23-point lead with just over 12 minutes to go there last Wednesday, still have to go to go go to those two places. Uh, they still have to play Iowa State at home. But in terms of the road things, uh, and they still have to go to Fort Worth. Uh, but in terms of the road situation, it's it they will have been past the the biggest, most difficult test: Ames, uh, Manhattan. And Lawrence, they would have had, and then even Morgantown's not a bit, and then a sweep of Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma. So they will have been past the most difficult part of it. Uh, but, you know, there's still a lot of work to do. We've all talked about how, uh, how tough uh, this league is on a night in, night out basis, and I'm sure we'll see that. And I think most of the, are you ready for this, Jeff? Here comes bracketological prognostication. There you go. You like those? Um, most of those, most of those, that have come out uh, that have Texas as a two seed now. now I've seen three, and uh, three of them all have Texas as a two seed. And I think two of the uh, prognostications have the Longhorns uh, playing in Denver uh, in the first round and uh, and first and second round. And I think I've also seen. Uh, what was the other play? Birmingham was the other one that I'd see. Actually, so, I've got an update on that, Craig. Uh, because Jerry Palm updated his bracket within the hour. Excellent. He's got Texas on the one line right now. 
Well, he had him at the top of the two line going into the weekend, so I guess I'm not surprised by that. I think I think Joe Lenardi at Texas on the bottom of the two line, mm-hmm. and and Jerry had him at the top of the two line, so he's got him as a one seed, huh? And, and playing in where? Uh, Birmingham. Yeah, just like in '03. Uh, same type deal there. Uh, Jerry, so, Jerry Palm's number ones right now are Purdue, Alabama, Kansas, and Texas. Okay, all right. Well, there you go. Okay, uh, and again, it's a it's a long, long way to go. But I'll tell you what, you'd rather be in that situation than than not. I can remember some years, in some recent years, where uh, you know where I just um, you know didn't didn't look at the uh, bracketological prognostication because they weren't good uh, for Texas anyway. So I didn't I didn't even bother to 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 look at it right now, and. Uh, and looking at how Joe Lenardi has just updated his, he says the Big 12 is clearly proving itself the best conference in the country. I think we all kind of knew that anyway. And uh, his updated projections still have Texas as a two in Denver, uh, playing Eastern Washington, uh, which would be your Big Sky Conference champion. And then uh, if they win that matching up with the winner of a 7-10 matchup between Missouri and USC. So that's what he does have Oklahoma State in the field, Jeff, in, in Dayton, in in the play-in uh, against Nevada in an eleven, and he's got West Virginia in the field as an eleven. Oklahoma no longer in the field uh, there. Is that Joe, that's Joe Lenardi's. That's Joe Lenardi's. Yeah, Jerry Palm has uh, his first four. He's got Arkansas, Clemson, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia. Okay. Uh, so and actually Oklahoma not even on the first four out for Jerry Palm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's tight. He does have uh, Texas A and M in the first four out, and Oklahoma in the first four out. Uh, he did. Uh, so we'll we'll see how that is going forward. Uh, okay, coming up next, we have inconceivable. Uh, Jeff Housen studio, of course, along with Cam Parker, and I'm up here in Lawrence, Kansas, and we'll continue with Light the Tower on the Horn 104.9, 101.9 AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the Horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. Well, we have a uh, veritable smorgasbord for you, and that is uh, using the term loosely with this first item. Now, Jeff, uh, obviously between the crazy travel, the weather, and the early departure on Friday, I didn't get a chance to uh, catch the program when you were doing Inconceivable uh, on Thursday and Friday. And especially with regards to Friday, did you do the uh, HEB dumpster diving story? No. I, I, I'm trying to think of when that – that might have been Friday afternoon. Well, it, it, it was – I saw it, that. Yeah. It was, the, the story was first posted late – Thursday night. Okay. Uh, so uh, I just wanted to make sure I didn't, uh, you know, tread over ground. That no, you know, on, on Fridays I'm so focused on. Yeah. Flacidity. That, yeah. Uh, yep. Yep. I got some of that. By the way, slips my mind. I, I have some of that since I missed out on it on Friday, but, um, uh, and, and I'm sure folks heard about this story by now. You know, it's just it's it, it belongs in inconceivable. When you think about this, uh, Travis County Constable George Morales had on his Facebook page on Thursday showing baskets of uh, full of food outside of HEB there in Austin. And uh, there were a lot of people thought it was free food and good to eat. Turns out it was not. He was posting, this is not free food. We had over 250 people fighting in the dumpsters because someone posted, free food. The food is rotten and spoiled and unsafe to eat. He added that the deputies and Austin police officers were called in to handle the traffic gridlock around that HEB. It was there on the uh, uh, south end. And uh, I know KI had some video footage of people who are actually dumpster diving. People jumping on top of it and others waiting on the ground with shopping carts. So, according to HEB, the, the winter storm has a lot to do with this because right. a lot of the food was just, you know, perishable when, when the power went out. So, and they said to adhere to strict food quality and safety standards, we're required to dispose of certain perishable foods mm-hmm. when they're not properly temperature controlled. So, it's which also prevents us from donating the items to food pantries and food banks 
as well. So they were they were doing their due diligence and just dropping out a, a lot of food that was going to go rotten in the dumpsters. But it was all packaged up, so a lot of folks thought, hey, free food. <laughs> you, you haven't lived until you've worked at a grocery store and eaten expired product. Yeah. You never did that, Craig? Oh, yeah. I have. I Two two things in the last several months. Uh, when I took my son, uh, Jason, back up to college to have him move into another apartment, uh, I went by a Brahms, because we know they don't have Brahms in right. Austin. I went by a Brahms and got a milkshake. And the milkshake tasted funny. And then funny became kind of rancid tasting. Uh-oh. And I realized what it was. The, the milk had to be sour. Yeah. So it was awful, and I just I just tossed it out. I'd already gone. So when I worked at HEB, I used to like finding uh, like yogurt was the big thing. If it was like you know the day past the expiration day, it's like oh we got to throw this yep. out. And like, nope, still tastes good. Yeah, we, we can't sell it, but I'm gonna eat it. <laughs> Apparently, that's a big no no that's frowned upon. But yeah. I no longer work at HEB, and I'm sure I'm way past the statute of limitations on that. So yeah, yeah, I I went down to the team room just to grab a bottle of water last night. This was probably, gosh, it was after the team had finished with their their uh, film session last night, their video mm-hmm. session, and they'd had their late snack and they'd gone off up to bed. I went down just to get a bottle of water, and there was there, there's a little kitchen area in this room where the, where the staff from the hotel here prepares like their meals, like breakfast and pregame meal. And uh, I knew that there were soft drinks in there but uh, but more importantly i was i was more concerned about you know i wanted to get a cold bottle of water so i open it up and there's there's a bottle of water and i grab it and then i see there's a bottle of mountain dew there's several bottles of mountain dew. Oh, okay i'll have a mountain dew i hadn't had one of those you know and then i can't take too much of it because it's too hard on the stomach but i hadn't had one in a long time i take it up to the room and because i knew i was going to be up a while working on stuff so a little jolt of caffeine wouldn't hurt I take a sip out of it, swallow it, and I thought, that doesn't taste good. That doesn't taste like Mountain Dew. And then I looked at it. The expiration date was last November. Lovely. Yes. For the Mountain Dew. Poured it out. Then hopefully I diluted the rest with water. No no bad, you know, no bad after effects from it. But there was that. There was a time, um, Craig, where my life revolved around playing uh, whichever iteration of NCAA football was out on PlayStation 2. Sure. And, uh... Pretty much double fisting Mountain Dew Code Red on some of those all night PlayStation 2 benders. You have just described Jason Way's <laughs> life to a T. You know, I figured uh, it was something uh, like that. PS5s and Mountain Dews. You know, that's gotta be the Code Red. You gotta go Code Red. Yeah, it was Code Dude. Red. That's what he. That's what he. Yep. Was doing. Yeah. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah, he could do that. Um, speaking of After Effects, did you hear about this business at Colorado State with a basketball game? Colorado State, Utah State. Um, there's been so many basketball-related inconceivables that have flown by me. I might have missed this one. Well, unfortunately, this had nothing to do with basketball other than the fact that it was at a basketball game. Utah State has a player named Max Shulga. He's from Ukraine. Of course, Ukraine, we know, is in the ongoing war with Russia. Please please don't tell me this is going where I think it is. Well... He hit some free throws in the final minute to help Utah State get the win. He finished with nine points and six victories. But during the game, Colorado State fans, for whatever reason, felt it necessary to chant at him the word Russia. Oh, my gosh. They just kept chanting Russia, Russia. Uh, Colorado State then tweeted out some following tonight's basketball game. We became aware that a small group of individuals in our student section chanted Russia at a student-athlete from Utah State who's from the Ukraine. On behalf of Colorado State, we apologize to the student-athlete. This is a violation of our steadfast belief in the Mountain West sportsmanship policy and university principles of community. Every participant, student, and fan should feel welcome in our venues. And for something like this to have occurred is unacceptable at Colorado State. So that's ridiculous. And his family resides in the in the uh, uh, Utah area as well. So it's it is first like, did you guys know he he's from the Ukraine? And did you have that confused, or were you just trying to say Russia because they were at war with you? Either way, it's wrong. Either way, it's awful and dumb. So yeah, there's that. Uh, All right, I told you that I I had to uh, do a little bit of uh, catch up flaccidity with you there. 
uh, because I wasn't there on Friday for the uh, Florida man stuff. But I got to ask you, did you get to the story about the man with the python? Yes. Where he bit off the head. Yep. So here's my question about this. Uh, the, the woman screams, just kicked the door in to the cops. They come in, and this guy was like, was holding her against her will, and he, what, struck an officer in the face with his arm, which had a handcuff on it. Mm-hmm. But uh, fought off during the, taser, the argument, fought off the taser, too. Fought, he got tased yep. and then fought off all of that stuff. And proceed, and after he had bitten off the head of a pet python, right? Yes. Is that, is that how that goes? Yeah. Um, okay. If he's a pet, why feel the need to bite the head off? That that's what I was. Because it was her pet. Oh, okay. All right. All, yeah. it's, all I saw in the one story I saw said a pet python. It was her python. Okay. All right. Uh, wow, that's bad. That's bad. Uh, and now, now they did say that, as you saw, the pythons don't have venom glands, so they're not poisonous. Right, but still, uh, you. But still, you know, that's yeah. They said it would have had to have been a relatively small python, or he wouldn't have been able to get it all into his mouth. Jeez. So you, you so you get, so here's this dude, Mayorga, uh, being charged with, I like this, uh, animal cruelty with intent to kill, false imprisonment, and resisting arrest. He, he's kind of run the gamut there. He's kind of checked like all said, the boxes on that. And on the Florida man bingo card, he, he's got he, he's almost got himself a bingo. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. So uh, I'm glad you got to it in its proper time and place when you go to the most flaccid. Yes, sir. Of the 48 contiguous United States. Um, all right. Uh, we have the second hour of the program. Again, I'm going to be on – uh, for the next uh, 20, 25 minutes or so before I have to head over to Allen Fieldhouse for the setup for the broadcast. But we will be back with our number two of Light the Tower coming away here on the horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. Yes, we're happy that we're back on and well, powering the building and live and well, and all that with Light the Tower coming away here on the horn, also on the horn app, hornfm.com.